Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, our Nottingham Forest podcast. I'm Forest correspondent Sarah Clapson and I'm delighted to say that today I'm joined by football finance expert Kieran Maguire. Um, Kieran, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm grand, thanks Sarah. Keeping, uh, keeping busy, I think it's fair to say. Yes, well it's that time of year isn't it? All the accounts are coming out so... Forest came out this morning. Um, I've had a, a very brief look at them, but but you're far more up on um, football finance than I am. I struggle to to add two plus two sometimes. So um, I'm relying on your expert knowledge. But th- some of the figures that stand out are quite big and quite scary. So just give us an insight into to what your thoughts, first of all, are on the accounts in general. Well, the, the club has lost substantial sums of money. Uh, that is fairly common for football clubs in the uh, in the championship. So if we take a look over the course of the last decade, Forest have lost around about two hundred million pounds over that period. They they got some of that back from selling players, but uh, the, the the other source of uh, cover is is the owners digging them out, which we are seeing on a on a regular basis. So so it's tough. The club was impacted by COVID. Uh, towards the end of the season, which which didn't help, but hasn't made a, a huge dent in the 2020 figures. I, I think the figures for 2021 will be uh, alarming compared to these. Yeah, how um, how do they compare for us in terms of, of other championship clubs? That that big loss looks quite huge. How does that compare with a lot of the others? Um, it, it's it's around about average. If, if we take okay. a look at the championship as a whole. Um, in in 2019, clubs lost between them over 600 million pounds. So uh, it, it's it's a division where there are so many owners who are desperate for their clubs to be promoted, and clearly the fans want that as well. They they they, they love the the thought of uh, going up to the the Premier League. That uh, the, the clubs invest in talent in the form of players, in transfer fees and wages. Um, that those those figures aren't sustainable uh, from from a business point of view. Um, so of the of the twenty four clubs in the championship, um, normally between twenty two and twenty four of them are losing money on an annual mm. basis, um, unless they've got some weird and wonderful uh, sleight of hand in terms of their accounts, which doesn't apply uh, uh, to, to Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I know. But when you look at those figures, one that stood out for me was was wages compared to the amount of money they're bringing in. Is that sustainable, that kind of figure? Um, it, it's it's not sustainable unless you've got a, a benefactor at the club, unless you've got an owner who each year is is prepared to to find, you know, 10 to 20 million pounds. Hmm. Um, and that is 
quite common. Uh, so yeah, we we've seen that. At, uh, am, am I allowed to mention Derby County on on the show? <laughs> well, we'll let you they, off. Their their owners done similar. We uh, Sheffield Wednesday, um, Bristol City, you know, club, clubs that have been in the in the Championship for a few years. Even the clubs that um, attract big crowds. I mean, you know, Forest do attract big crowds, mm. but Leeds United they were losing money hand over fist when they were in the in the Championship as well. So it's it's universal. Um, if if we take a look at wages for the whole of the uh, the Championship over the course of the sort of the last eight or nine years. Um, on, on average, uh, it's been about £105 in wages for every £100 that comes through the door. So if you think about it, the, the division as a whole has lost money. And, that, and that's before you've paid for the electricity for the, the floodlights. That's before you've you put the petrol into the mower for the for the groundsman. That's before the, the players have you know, gone on coaches and hotels for matches away from home and things of this nature. So it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a crazy way to run a business, but it has been that way for many many years in the championship yeah i think it i know you i mean you mentioned it there you're reliant on an owner aren't you putting money in forest i suppose are, are quite lucky in that the owner has come out and said he's very committed he, he's, he's trying to show that in terms of the money that he's putting towards different projects um the stadium redevelopment he, he said that he's still supporting the academy um if they didn't have that they'd be in trouble wouldn't they um Yes, I mean they either wouldn't be in the championship because they they have had to cut their cloth accordingly, or we would be watching a Nottingham Forest, which which didn't have the same degree of investment in players mm. that that we have seen. So if if we take a look over over recent years, in, in twenty nineteen, the club spent over twenty two twenty two million pounds signing players. Um, so you know, and and if you sign a player on a big fee. Then the players' representatives will say, "Well, if, you know, if you've paid you know five, six, seven million pounds for our for, for my client, you, you've got to pay me um, accordingly." And, and the the average wages in the uh, in, in the championship are around about sixteen thousand pounds a week. Um, so you know they are they are well paid. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. they are talented athletes and, and they and it's a short career so you know I don't, I don't begrudge anybody earning a, a good wage but it, it's not sustainable from a traditional business point of view but but I really again I can't stress enough football is not a is not a traditional business normal rules do not apply mm. um in in football in general and nowhere more so than the championship uh, as, as a uh, that that relationship between wages and revenue that you mentioned is is the highest in Europe year in, year out. Should Forest fans be worried if they're looking at those accounts? Is it concerning? Um, it, it's, it, I, I don't think it's too much of a concern provided you know, the owner is prepared to continue to fund the club. Hmm. Um, problems arise when either A, the owner loses interest. So we saw that at um, Aston Villa, we saw that at Bolton, uh, where the owner had put in a large, large sums of money, and both of those owners were in for you know, well in excess of a hundred million pounds each, and they just reached a stage where they said, "Enough is enough," mm. and then, then they sell the club, and if the new owner is either uh, not not as wealthy and therefore cannot afford to subsidise the club to the same degree, 
or is viewing the club as an opportunity to to flip as you might try to do with a house you know you buy something you you, you spend a little bit of money on it and you try to sell it at a profit um that's when the problems start to arise so provided you've got stability mm. in terms of the ownership then then i don't foresee major problems we have seen uh, recently with Forrest, uh, I think it was in the last week or two, uh, the, the owners taking some of the loans and saying, realistically, the club's never going to be in a position to repay us these loans, so we're going to convert them into shares. That happened in these accounts as well. Um, so uh, you know, th th I think the owners are aware of exactly where they are from a financial perspective. And my only concern is that you know, we are operating in, in a COVID world, which makes mm. things tougher for clubs because you're not selling tickets. Um, depending upon the nature of the owner's business, that could be hit by COVID as well. So to give you a comparison, we've got Ipswich Town who have been in the championship for many years. They've just recently dropped down into, into League One. Their owner makes all of his money from uh, events and hospitality. And, and that's fine. You know, very successful business, very successful individual. What happens to the events and hospitality business during a pandemic mm. is, is that tanks. So all of a sudden, you know, th there's extra pressure put on because you know, he might not necessarily have the money to bail out the club. Um, I, I don't see that as being the position necessarily with Forrest. At, at the same time, um, you know, you, you want the club to be able to stand on its own two feet at some point in time. Yeah. You mentioned there about those, those shares. Um, explain for people like me who know nothing about it, whether that's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, what that means, essentially. Um, it's uh, it, it's a weird one. It doesn't affect the value of the club. What it What is effectively happening is that the, the owner has got two two pieces of paper from the club, one of which is an IOU for £20 million, £40 million, whatever it's going to be, and, and the other is, is shares. And all that they're doing is that they're ripping up the IOU and they're, and they're giving them more shares. So it, it's, it's, a paper, it's a paper exercise. It's a bit of housekeeping. Uh, you know, if, if, I, if I was being, and I'm not generally not trying to be mischievous, if I was trying to make the club look better, in terms of a potential sale, it might be the type of thing that I would do because you don't want to take over a football club that has lots of debt, but there's no evidence that the owners um, yeah. are, are intending to sell. Um, you know, are there people interested in buying the club? Yes, there are, but then there's people interested in buying uh, you know, practically every club in England because it's such a popular sport. So uh, you, you do see an awful lot of people who refer to themselves as brokers saying, oh, you know, well, we, you know, how much would Forest cost to buy? And, and, and you know, I, I get asked and other people get asked about how much we think the club is worth and things of this nature. Um, and, and it always looks better if there's less debt on the balance sheet. But, you know, as, as far as I can make out, the owner wants to get... But just to be clear, there's nothing dodgy or, or um, anything to worry about doing it. It's just a, a way of making things look tidier. Yes, yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, um, you know, for, for example, if uh, yeah, one of my kids wants a car, they say, Dad, will you lend me five grand to help me buy the car? I give them five grand. In theory, they owe me five grand. In practice, I know I'm never going to get that money. <laughs> so, so at some point, I say to them, Okay, let's just let's just go, go let's let's forget the pretense. Uh, you know, it's written off. And, and that's what we've done here. So so the owner, to a certain extent, is a bit like the bank of mum and dad. 
You've numbered my, my dad because he's clearly keeping a tally. He's got a list, so it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't apply. <laughs> I remember speaking to you last year, uh, and you explained a bit about FFP, uh, and I remember you saying that this year's accounts will be quite a big one in terms of balancing the, the books in that respect. How do you think Forrester placed in terms of FFP and the, the sustainability? Um, well, the, the FFP rules have been relaxed for the current season to take into consideration COVID. Um, Forest have also sold players, so they made a profit of over £11 million on player sales, and that will be used to, to offset um, some of the, the, the day-to-day losses. So, um, you know, I, I think we're in we're probably in squeaky bum territory uh, in terms of the club cannot afford to be too expensive. And, and I'm sure Forest fans and Chris Hewton this summer ideally would like to see the club spend a lot of money. Um, I, I think they will have to be cautious, um, but that will go for every club in the championship. Mm-hmm. And they will be looking there for next seasons for for bargains, for loan signings, for players who are out of contract elsewhere that they can recruit on Bosmans. So, is there a lot of wiggle room at Forest? No, there isn't. Um, but the rules are uh, have been diluted uh, to take into consideration the impact of COVID on the game. Uh, and I think if Forest apply those uh, those additional uh, allowances, then then they'll they'll get through. Um, it's noticeable in these accounts that whereas normally Forest have been, you know, spent they spent twenty two million pounds, as I said, in twenty nineteen, they only spent five and a half million pounds or just over that in twenty twenty in in terms of player recruitment, and um, probably with uh, with a, with a mind to uh, that that financial fair play has to be dealt with. So it looks as if they've been they've they've been operating with a uh, with with a view to ensuring that they are within the limits. I know you said the, the, the result rules have been relaxed because of what's been going on. Do you think, do you see that changing quite soon? Do you think it will go back to, to normal FFFP rules? Um, it, it certainly won't until 21 22. Um, ultimately, the financial fair play rules are, are voted for by the owners of clubs. So if we get to this summer and they're all in a meeting together with Rick Parry and they say, look, Rick, you know, we, we, we need another year of relaxation. Uh, they need a two thirds vote. So if 16 of them put up their hands and say, we're going to relax the rules for another 12 months, then the FFP are duty bound to, to apply because uh, the EFL, and I think this is, people think that the EFL is independent of the clubs. It's not. The EFL is a members club and therefore ultimately the rules are those which are determined by the members themselves. Yeah, they have been reliant. I guess they, they always will be reliant because they're in the championship on, on selling players, aren't they, Forrest? They need to to sell players to balance the books, to, to then move forward. Um, do you see that potentially having to happen again this summer? Do they need um, a big player sale? I, 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 think, I think there will be player disposals, such is the nature of the game. If, if we take a look at the last four seasons in, in each year, there were player sales of at least, yeah, we're, we're talking eight figures. We're talking a minimum of, of 11 million pounds yeah. um, in the last four seasons. So uh, I think the club will be considering that. Um, they'll also be fully aware that the transfer market has collapsed. 
So whilst people are saying, well, you know, Chelsea and Manchester City and Manchester United and Liverpool, you know, they, they, they can go out and spend money. They all have the benefits of either ridiculously wealthy owners or huge commercial deals um, or, or the Champions League, which, which brings in hundreds of millions of pounds. Yeah. So we, we've got to separate out what's happening at the, at the elite level of football uh, compared to sort of the mid-tier where, where Forest are. Um, there will be relatively little money spent in, in the championship. The only clubs that will spend money will either be those clubs which have just been relegated from the Premier League, and, and that's probably on the back of selling a couple of their players, or... Uh, clubs taking a sell-to-buy approach, i.e. we'll sell a player for £10 million and we might reinvest half of that in, in, in recruitment, in recruiting replacements. Um, so, uh, but but the, the fees demanded are going to fall for both mm. buying and selling. So if Forrest did have players who they thought they could sell for you know, 10 to £15 million, pounds, they're probably going to have to accept lower prices because the European market for players has collapsed. The, the the, the broadcasting deals in places like France have have been, have, uh, have been ripped up and there's huge problems on the continent. And therefore, you're looking, well, where else in, in England can we sell players to? Um, the, the bottom half of the Premier League, all the clubs there are losing huge sums of money. So so they are being uh, careful as to what they spend. And you know, with no disrespect, how many players do Forest have that that Chelsea or Manchester United or Liverpool are going to be willing to sign for in the forty to fifty million pound bracket, which is sort of the you know the size of the pool that those mm. clubs tend to operate in? Yeah, is it a system that's designed? Do they are they kind of reliant on getting to the Premier League eventually? Is it kind of that's that's what the? I mean, it's obviously what the goal is on the pitch, but is that what the financial system is based on? Um, yes, it, it's it, it's casino football management in, in the sense that over the course of the last five or six years, you know, we've seen Forrest's wage bill has, if, if I've got the figures here, uh, in, in 2013, it was £19 million. Now in 2020, it's £38. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, you Sarah, but, but my wages haven't doubled in the last seven years, I can assure you. Um, I, I, don't, I, I speak, speak to my friends and nobody's telling me about you know, double-digit pay rises every year. So um, it, it, it is a case of clubs spending more money on player wages in the hope. And, th and this, is where, yeah, this is why I call it casino. They are gambling on those players coming up trumps and helping to, to take the club to, to the Premier League. The trouble is, it's not just Forrest that are doing mm -hmm. that. You know, it, it is, Derby, um, it is, uh, you know, the, the other clubs in that division that have been there for many years who, who have been trying exactly uh, the same thing. And uh, at some point in time, they're going to realise that it doesn't matter how much money you spend on wages, only three clubs can still be promoted. Yeah. Yeah, that's the harsh reality, isn't it? It, it doesn't matter how much money you put in. It, it, I mean, they found out last year. It doesn't guarantee success. You're you're in the lap of the gods sometimes. But um, if you're if you're looking at, at this account, this set of accounts, obviously next year will have the full effect of the the coronavirus pandemic. So, in anticipation of that, is it going to be? Is next year going to be a, a really tough year? Um, yes, because. Um... Nottingham Forest, they, they make around about £7 million a year from ticket sales. Well, you know, this season's been wiped out. 
Hmm. Um, in terms of their commercial sponsors, there will be fewer of them around this season because many, many companies themselves are saying, well, yeah, we'd normally, we'd hire boxes, we'd have events taking place at the stadium, you know, in, in terms of catering or conferencing and things of this nature. That's not going to take place. Uh, the, the TV deals, uh, I think there's going to be some slight rebates given. Uh, the, the one positive is that the, the, the iFollow system will have generated some money for the club, but it, it, will, it will be relatively small compared to the revenue streams which have been lost as a result of the pandemic. So 2021, uh, there's going to be a lot of red in terms mm. of losses throughout, throughout the whole of football. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing you've kept up with the football index um, headlines as well that have been going on. Obviously, therefore, as shirt sponsors, um, we're told that that deal ends in the summer. So you imagine that th there'll be a change of shirt sponsorship, you would think, or they'll at least think about it. Um, is it going to be difficult? Is it going to be harder to try and, and get a new shirt sponsor in this kind of market? Yes. I mean, if, if, we, if we take a look at summer 2020, it was noticeable that a lot of shirt sponsorship deals were only agreed in the three to four weeks before the season started because there was sort of a game of cat and mouse between clubs and potential sponsors to see who was going to blink first. Um, I, I've spoken to some commercial directors of clubs in the championship, and the thing that's coming back is, is twofold. First of all, um, th there's not as many sponsors around. And secondly, there's there's a genuine fear within the within the division of the the potential forthcoming ban on on sponsorship uh, from from the gambling industry. So, if if you're looking at a at a shirt sponsorship deal, realistically, that the the gambling companies, pay, you know, they're not the only kids in town, but they're the biggest in, in terms of the willingness mm. to spend. So, it, it's going to be tough finding a new sponsor. I know what, what some clubs are trying to do is to uh, sort of get ahead of the rest of the crowd by signing up with non-gambling sponsors uh, for, on two or three-year deals, which aren't necessarily huge, but, but might look quite good in six months' time, uh, depending on, on where government edicts di uh, dictate. Yeah, it all sounds quite bleak and quite, gr quite grim, but um, if you're a Forest fan, then what... what can you give them any kind of encouragement in terms of the figures and, and the, the championship in general? Is there, uh, Obviously, they're hoping that on the pitch it's going to um, come to fruition. But is there any kind of glimmer of hope in there? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly biased. I'm a Brighton fan and you know, Chris Hewton used to be our manager. I, I think what, what, what Forrest have is a manager who is used to getting the maximum out of players in the championship and knows what has to be done in terms of putting together a promotion challenge. And you don't necessarily have to spend huge amounts of money to do that. At the same mm. time, you, you can't do it on a shoestring as a rule. But uh, Sheffield United were were promoted on the back of having a strong dressing room. Huddersfield Town were, Brighton were under, under Chris as well. So it's, it's not necessarily a case of the three clubs that are going to be relegated from the Premier League will have such a financial advantage that they'll automatically drop back. Uh, they'll, they'll bounce back. Um, so if, if the club recruits smartly uh, over the course of the summer, there will also be players out of contract uh, so that they'll either be off, offered 
lower deals or they'll be allowed to move on. Um, I think the, the, there, there will be monies saved and, and monies uh, released, which, which can then be invested. Um, looking at it from a financial fair play perspective, as, as we've already said, there's there's limited wiggle room, even if the owners wanted to put in unlimited funds as to what they could do from a financial fair perspective. So it, it all comes down to to doing things better rather than just spending money to get out of the to get out of this division. Yeah, obviously, as a Brighton fan, you'll, you'll know how Chris Hewton operates. He is quite a smart, clever operator, isn't he? He, he? he can work well in the transfer market and he can get the best out of players. Um, we've seen that at Forest with former Brighton players, Glenn Murray, Anthony Lockhart, um, Gaten Bong. He's got them going well. So there is um, there is hope there, hopefully. Yes, Yes, I mean, as anybody that's ever met Chris Hewton, he, he's also the nicest man in football. He is, um, yeah. And, and you know, I, I can assure you, from from our perspective as as Brighton fans, we'd be absolutely delighted if Forrest went up because because we all love Chris and and we're, we're quite fond of Glenn Murray and Anthony Knockhart and <laughs> and Gaten Bong as well because in the year we were, we were promoted, Anthony Knockhart was voted the best player in the championship and, and Glenn Murray scored twenty plus goals. So uh, you know, if, if it's any consolation, we're wanting you to do well because uh, you know there, there is that that affection for those former players. They they are, they are still held. In, in enormously high regard. Thank you ever so much, Kieran. I really appreciate it. Just for a bit of background, give give people a bit of information about yourself and, and what, what's your normal job rather than just spending time talking about uh, forest accounts or championship accounts or... Um, well, this, this, this is... I, I did three hours of podcasting yesterday on various football account stuff, but uh, I, I, I'm just a teacher. I, I, I teach at the, the University of Liverpool um, I, I've managed to convince them that football finance is a genuine subject. So, so I I, I teach that uh, on the the football MBA course that we run there, and I also teach it to undergraduates. And and as you can imagine, in a city such as Liverpool, um, it, it's uh, it, it's it's a course where which gets a lot of attention because uh, you know so many so many young people are interested in the sport. It, it's it's and also from my point of work of, of uh, view. It's a way of teaching traditional finance through a sort of a, a Trojan horse in that uh, if, I, if I say, well, today we're going to take a look at the accounts of Forest and let's take a look at some of the absolutely crazy numbers involved, then they all prick their ears up because <laughs> there's a story to, to be to be told. There's there's something to be learned. There's something to go and tell their family when they get home, uh, especially you know, as I'm working in Liverpool, Liverpool and Everton. They don't like each other too much. Nothing compared to how much Liverpool fans hate Manchester United. So all the dirt that you can find through going through these numbers is, is lapped up. And if people want to find out more about yourself or about football finance, is there is there a website? Is there a... I don't know you've got a nice book. Is there anything that they can do to... Um, well, I... I, I, I do a, a twice-weekly podcast called The Price of Football with comedian Kevin Day. Um, and we look at all the stories which are coming out. We, we, are, we, we, are, we were persuaded to set up this podcast by, by one of the journalists at the BBC, who's, who's sort of the producer of the show, and we both looked at each other and said, well, A, nobody's going to listen, and B, we'll run out of stories in, in three weeks, and, and that was 18 months ago. Um, we've gone from 20 minutes a week, which was our first podcast together. We're now putting out over two hours of material a week, and uh, we're getting thirty to forty thousand downloads every week. So 
it, it does appear to have struck a chord with fans and also people operating in the game. Um, I, I run the price of football effectively on Twitter and, and I wrote a book of the same name. But I, I wrote the book for my students because there wasn't a football finance book. It was it was a it was a labor of love, but it was also a miserable experience because every time I thought I'd finished it, there was new stuff coming out. I can imagine it's, it's non-stop, especially when you're trying to talk to people like me who have absolutely no understanding about it. So you, you do a good job of explaining it in layman's terms, which is what we all need. I think it's it's if you know about the topic, it's great. If if you don't, you're you're sat there scratching your head, thinking, I don't get it at all. But so that's why we need people like you. Well, thanks very much, and thanks for the invite on the show. No, thank you very much for coming. We really appreciate it, and and thank you all for for listening and watching.